We want to work in a workplace where you can just lie on the floor in the fetal position with your thumb in your mouth and get paid $350,000 a year. Because he's still kind of nug, nus, nug, uh, what's muzzling, nuzzling? What's the word I'm even looking for? I'm so distraught, I can't even think of, I can't describe it to you. This is the bitterest pill. Uh, my uh, my name's Dan Class. Recording live from under the flight path, Los Angeles International Airport. Here in beautiful, sunny, sunny, smoggy, uh, angry, laid back, simul simultaneously uh, ingratiating and uh, PO'd, Los Angeles. Sitting here in my garage, you know me. I'm a stay-at-home dad slash. Failed actor, uh, former comedian slash uh, podcasting, uh, you know, icon. And the reason I mentioned that, and I think I mentioned that last week. You know what? It's, it, it's all I got. You know what I mean? I've been listening to a Donald Trump book lately. And um, he says, you know, if you don't talk about your successes, uh, no one's going to know about your successes. So you know what, Donald? I'm a podcasting icon. I'm a podcasting icon uh, opening a Diet Coke. So I'm going to try to keep the belching to a minimum. Listen, folks. I know this is late. This show is late. I know it's late. Uh, you know, life is just... I find that as I try to get things in control, they uh, they test me. They They just do. I've been very busy. Have you been busy? Is this a busy time of year? I'm starting to freak out a little bit because I'm very busy. You know, I do a little, I try to do a little podcasting work on the side where I, you know, I edit corporate podcasts or I quote, you know, what I, I quote unquote produce, which is a fancy word of saying, a uh, way of saying, you know, I, I basically edit them and edit them and uh, encode them, but just very busy. And um, it's taking away from my true calling of complaining and uh, laying around. Although I have taken up a new hobby now where every couple of days I seem to pass out around 3.30, 4 o'clock in the afternoon. Now, my wife likes to call it taking a nap, but I like to call it passing out because taking a nap, I feel, is a conscious decision one makes to enjoy some rest. As opposed to simply, uh, in mid-sentence, falling asleep. To me, reading a book to a child and falling asleep simultaneously, that's not a nap. That is a, a desperate cry for help. Which apparently is what I've been, uh, you know, I seriously, I don't know what it, I don't know what it is because I feel like I get plenty of sleep. I'm now actually somewhat exercising. Maybe it's the caffeine, but if I sit on the sofa and read even the shortest book to my daughter, I can't make it through. I fall asleep. The neighbors are probably always wondering why I'm, I, whenever I leave the house to get into the car, I have food with me and a Diet Coke. It's so I don't fall asleep at the stoplights. Do you think I have narcolepsy? How do you know if you have narcolepsy? Because maybe I've got it. I think what I actually have is extreme boredom. Stream, extreme boredom brought on by uh, middle age. And, uh, you know, middle age. Which leads me to this. So I, I come home today. Now, 
I'm recording. This is Tuesday. It's Tuesday after Memorial Day uh, weekend. How was your How was your Memorial Day, Americans? Memorial Day is where we celebrate um, what? I guess the fact that soldiers die. We remember them. I remember you. Thank you. It's always kind of weird, you know. Let's celebrate uh, our memory of fallen. Americans by uh, having a cookout. Let's have a cookout because apparently nothing is more American. Anyway, we'll get to my, uh, you know, Memorial Day in a second. So I come home and uh, my wife's watching something on the computer and she says, Dan, you've got to see this. Uh, This is a link that someone sent me. She says it was on 60 Minutes maybe last night. You got to watch this. It's about uh, a generation that has now been dubbed the Millennials. Now, I am... Depending on who you ask, either Gen X or um, uh, not a yuppie. What do you call those people? Um, You know, a baby boomer. Is that right? I was born. I'm either a very, 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 very young baby boomer or a very, very, very old Gen X. Okay. The baby boomers pushing me into that camp, the other camp and the other camp, right? Nobody wants me. Well, now apparently there's this new term, millennials. Now, what what their birth or whatever, what any of that has to do with the millennial? I have the millennium. I have no idea. Basically, people that are in their twenties right now, two thousand eight, entering the workforce right now, and they basically grew up in the early nineties, let's say. And this is the generation that uh, you know people my age were really worried about, because this is the generation that. You know, they were part of little league uh, leagues that didn't keep score. Everybody got a trophy. Everybody got a big pat on the back and a handshake. And everybody, there was no winners and no losers. There was just uh, participation. Basically, a generation of people brought up by a generation of people that didn't want their children to be sad even for a minute. Every moment of their lives photographed, videotaped, put into scrapbooks and collaged limousines for the prom and professional photographers and this and that and everything that money could buy at a time stent, just every, 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 everything. A generation perhaps brought up uh, as I am bringing up my own children, as I walk around with a pillow in my hand just in case one of them trips and is about to fall on their own face. But it's a generation that's never heard the word no. It's a generation where at least 50% go straight home after college with no intention of moving out. Actually, it's a big, it's just sort of a matter of course. Now, when I was graduating uh, back in the Stone Age, what we would do is we'd, you know, ride the dinosaur home and we'd maybe stay home for a little while because, you know, you had just graduated. But then given a... What is by today's standards an incredibly short amount of time, you would get your ass out. And the reason you would get your ass out is because you didn't want to live with your mommy and daddy, my God. Now, why didn't you want to live with your mommy and daddy? Because you had gone through adolescence and adolescence makes you not want to live with your mommy and daddy. It makes you want to be on your own. 
away from your parents so you can do what you want to do, you know. You know what you want to do, whatever it is, whatever it is. Hey, listen, I don't know what your problem is. You've got to have things you want to do, uh, you know, when your parents aren't around. But see, maybe the difference with between you and me, between them and I, and them and us, us and them, whoever, my parents didn't want me doing whatever I wanted in their house. And maybe it was all part of a master plan to get me out. I don't know. But listen, we weren't supposed to bring uh, uh, people over to do whatever we wanted. That was for fields and parks, parked cars, movie theaters, where, you know, outside of the house. So maybe it's a generation that's just told, listen, you want to, you know, fool around? You want to smoke a little smoky smoky, drink a little drinky drinky? You want to do whatever you want to do? Do it here. Do it here. Listen, we got a big screen. We got a big screen and a fridge full of whatever you want in the garage. Have a party, whatever. So I guess, you know, you, you set up a, a, para, uh, a paradise, a utopia in the parental home, then the kids are never going to leave. Now, do I have a gigantic problem with that? No. I, I, actually, not really. Because, you know, my kids uh, are nine and uh, five, and I'm already dreading them leaving the house. I admit it. There's a huge part of me that doesn't want... Uh, doesn't want the kids to grow up and leave. I want them to be here with me and hang out. I love them. My God, they're hysterical. Trust me, if you were living with my kids, you'd never want them to leave. And I hope you feel that same way about your kids. Absolutely. Listen, God bless you if you feel that way. But what happens is you create a situation where they won't leave you, which means they cannot live without you. So here's this generation, and I find this kind of, Simultaneously understandable and then simultaneously uh, absolutely kind of, what's the word I'm looking for? Nauseating. Because listen, I never wanted to grow up. I never wanted to grow up. A. A. Dan does not want to grow up. Listen, I am 44 years old. I know. I'm 44 years old and I have about the intellect and emotional development of a 17-year-old. I admit it. I admit it. I... I'm not proud of it. I'm not proud of the fact that I'm about 17 years old and this wrinkled old pop belly bald body. I, I, you know, but I'm about 17. But uh, the more I, the older I get, I realize I'm actually uh, quite a mature 17. Dan, you know what? Honestly, for 17, you're quite precocious. Thank you very much. So that part I get. Okay. Now, the other part I, I kind of get is, you know, this is a generation of people that don't want to just punch the clock and sit in a cubicle and do their job. They want to have fun and text their friends and check out MySpace and they want to, uh, you know, keep their yoga appointment because they've been doing yoga since they were four. Yoga's Tuesdays, three o'clock. I got to keep that even if I have a job. Well, hold on. Okay. I mean, I, I okay. Okay. I kind of dig and understand in a way to a point your self-centeredness. Absolutely. Who's more self-centered than I am? Not sure. And maybe that's what scares me. An entire generation of people actually more self-centered than I am. I get you. Man, I get you. I get where you're coming from. But this is what I don't get. Uh, you have a job now, jackass. You can't go to yoga. You got a job now, jackass. You got a job. You got it. But see, they don't have to have a job because they don't have to pay rent. They don't have to pay rent because they live at home. 
They don't have to pay for rent, for food, transportation. Mom will drive them to, to work. Hey, sure, I'll drive you to work just like I drove you to school for 15 years. Here you go, honey. Go have a good day up in your job. It might as well be fifth grade. So I'm watching this thing, and I'm, and I'm really, like I say, I'm torn, you know? Oh, hold on. You know, I know how they feel, I, but I don't want everyone to feel that way. The, the society revolves, requires, requires that not everyone is a child. Society requires that some of the people are very left-brained and some are very right-brained. That some of them are real, uh, you know, nose-to-the-grindstone types and some are real like, ah, let's do a play in my barn types. There needs to be a necessary balance. Well, what if everyone's just like a blah, blah, blah type? Then what? Holy cow. Holy cow. Listen, you know, the salad days are, you know, they're over. We are in economic hard times, and you guys are worried about going to yoga on time? Listen. <laughs> but you know what? I, I, I understood. I understood. I understood. I understood. But th again, this is a generation where, right, every moment is documented, photographed, videotaped. Everybody gets a trophy and a slap on the back. There's no winner because no one can lose. Now, I want you to watch this piece if you're at all interested. I'm going to put it on the website, thebitterspill.com. But here's the, the part that absolutely scared me the most. You know, whoever the guy is, and I don't even recognize the guys in 60 Minutes anymore. It's been so long. I think it was Morley Safer. I don't know who it was. He's interviewing these two guys. Now, one of them has written two books for the millennial generation on how to get by. Because apparently, apparently now you have two completely divergent societies. You've got... Old school and new school. And old school is just too gruff for old school. So old school will tell, or new school, what did I just say? Like basically, okay, anyone over the age of, let's say, 30, they, they have to learn how to talk to anyone under 30. And the under 30s have to learn how to, uh, you know, use a knife and a fork and write a resume. So the under, the under 30s are all in hotel rooms being lectured about how to make a resume and maybe, uh, you know, wear a shirt and closed-toed shoes to the office, guys. And the over-30s are being taught how to essentially parent the workforce, honey, to talk to the workforce like they're little children. I mean, the woman that they, they interview from J. Walter Thompson, one of the biggest ad agencies in New York, she said she has to coddle these kids so they don't leave. Holy crap. You can't say anything was wrong. Oh, okay, okay. Here's the scariest part to me. And yet maybe the most telling, I don't know. So Morley, you know, Morley, whoever it is, he's interviewing these two guys. And one of them has written, like I say, two books. And the other one uh, is his friend or something. I don't know. One, one, maybe one of them was the writer. One of them was the talker. I have no idea. So these, now listen, these guys know that they're on 60 Minutes. This is not, you know, hidden camera stuff, right? They know they're on 60 Minutes. There's Morley Safer, whoever it is. An old man. There's an old man in a two, three-piece suit and a tie with a Windsor knot interviewing them. And there's lights and cameras. It's clear what's going on, right? And I just want to be very clear that this, they know they're being interviewed. 
and they're saying, you know, we want to redefine things. We want, you know, to be to work things out so it's our way, but it's still productive. And I'm like, you know what? Great. God bless you. That's what probably every generation at least feels like, whether they do or not. Because I honestly I have a feeling they're all going to get ground down into office drones eventually anyway. But, you know, this guy, hey, listen, man, I, I get where you're coming from. Yeah, you want to figure out a way to have fun at work, but still be super productive with the, your Twitter and your texting and your email. I, I'm, I am with you every step of the way. And then he says, completely seriously, and I want my boss to send a note home to my mother telling her I did a good job. And the interview old man says, <laughs> like, like he's really? And the kid says, yeah. It's always great to get a note to home, you know, to your mom that says, Johnny's doing a real good job at his corporate white collar gig. Really good job at raising such a fantastic boy. Love always, human resources, gigantic American corporation. And the cat next to him is going, yeah, and send one to my grandma too. Okay. Okay, you had me. You had me. Yeah, because <laughs> I'm only 17, so you kind of had me. You had me with, uh, you know, having wacky disco day. You had me. You had me in a way like having a wacky costume parade around. One guy's dressed up as a fly. One guy's got a fly swatter, whatever. I get that. It was a little weird giving 25-year-old girls certificates for a job well done with little stickers on like they're a five-year-old at gymnastics. Okay, maybe I can begin to swing with that. But the minute you even jokingly, jokingly joke, you're serious? You want someone from your job. You're after college, you are now a degree-carrying graduate and have a white-collar job at a major corporation, and you want someone to write a note to your mommy saying that she raised a good boy? My God, you're in elementary school. You're not even an adolescent like I am. Holy crap, are you serious? You want... You want to get a gold star sent home to your mommy? So you and your little codependent mommy can say, look, I did such a great job raising you. Yes, you did, mommy. Yes, you did. It's time to suckle. Because at least me, listen, at least I'm a lazy 17-year-old. I don't want you sending Jack home with to my mom. Leave my mom out of this. This is my thing. Are you serious? Listen, I can understand your friends being the center of your universe and wanting to go to your mom, your mom. You really want to know to your mom? Dude, you're 25 years old. Your mom? Are you serious? But they were saying, you know, adulthood nowadays, adulthood nowadays doesn't start till 28 or 30. So middle age doesn't start till you're 60. Oh my God. So, well, listen, if you can, if you can guarantee me that I'm going to live to be 120 years old, then I'm on board. Then I'm on board and let's stay in high school until you're 30. Let's just go for it. 
But once you're out of college and you have your own job and it's not even... Because listen, I don't want... When I was working at Burger King, I didn't want them telling my mom anything. Leave my mom out of it. Listen, it's bad enough that she has to drive me here because I don't have my license yet. Are you serious? Once you get your... I mean, am I... Did I really grow up in such a different time that when you once you got your driver's license, your parents could go to hell? Listen, and I'll admit, yes, I lived with my parents after college for a couple of months. Maybe it was six. I don't. I honestly don't remember. I mean, let's face it, it was a long time ago. When I moved out to California, yeah, I stayed with my parents for a while until I had had my two hundred dollar a week PA job for a couple of months. And then my cousin, Ronnie, and I moved into a no-bedroom apartment in the crappiest part of Hollywood. We were surrounded by, like, uh, confirmed psychopaths. That's what Ron I saw Ronnie a couple months ago. And that's what he told me. You know, you know Dan, they took Section 8s. We thought that was some, like, housing voucher. No, crazy people were allowed to live in that building. That's, that's, but you know what? That's how you live. Is there no, like... Is there no desire to have, like, the rough times? The kind of weird and creepy times that you can look at back on? Is there no, uh, you know, you get no warm fuzzies from having done anything on your own? I mean, because they, because, and, and this is dead serious. Watch this thing. This is 60 minutes. This is not, you know, humans, re, human, human resources. Do you know what that is? Human, if you're a kid. And someone was asking me, you know, who listens to these uh, recordings you do, Dan? What, what ages? What age groups? Well, I'll tell you, I got teenagers and I got 30 and up. And I'll tell you why, because no one is telling 20-year-olds, 25-year-olds, so that their mommy does not know that they should listen to this program. So listen, if you have nieces and nephews that are in their 20s, apparently they, you need to tell them to listen to this. And maybe I'll, I will try to straighten them out for you. Because human resources you know, executives or whatever. I don't know what you, how you refer to those people. Human resources people are getting calls. This is what they said. Hello. Hi, this is the mother of David Johnson. I am not happy with the employee evaluation he received. I thought he should have really been evaluated uh, more positively for his work there. I'm sorry. Um, I'm sorry. How? How? What? What? That is fifth grade stuff. That is fifth grade stuff. Isn't there a certain point where you the kid? Hello, hello, hello. Am I on drugs? Is this my? Is this my brain on drugs? Have I finally OD'd on the Diet Coke and the protein bars that I just can no longer understand reality? Mom, mom stops by human resources to drop off the updated resume. My, your, your mom and my wife, God bless her. She's the one that shows me. This, so she'd already seen it. And she, she puts it this way. These guys go on national TV and admit this stuff and then actually expect that they will get laid in the near future. I don't know a single man, male, child of my generation that would have gone on TV 
a single one, man. The wimpiest, nerdiest, the most mama's boyiest. And listen, man, I'm I'm a cat. I, listen, my mom used to blow dry my hair. My mom, you know, she she may or may not have helped me uh, polish up a couple college uh, admissions essays. I'll admit that. Again, 17, 17, 17. I do not know a single guy of my generation that would have gone on national television once they were over the age of probably 12 and said, yeah, I want you to send a note home to my mom saying what a good boy I am. Good God. are not uh we're, we're not really very good at planning ahead now some things we, we plan ahead like trips you know if, if we have to fly somewhere obviously we plan those well in advance because you know she's got to be off work and we got to fly and the people on the other end have got to know that we're you know all that obviously right but when it comes to things like memorial day we don't necessarily plan that much ahead now the reason we don't plan ahead I believe, is that we are trying so desperately during any given week to keep our heads above water that we don't actually have time to think to weekend leisure time activities. We're just too busy trying to get through the next couple of hours without, uh, you know, anything horrible happening. So this was Memorial Day. So we thought, well, you know what? I don't even remember what we did Saturday. I don't even really remember what we did Sunday. I got to admit it. You know, we're still just trying to get shelves built and up and we're trying, you know, we're trying to, you know, because lives evolve, right? Kids grow. They got things coming in, things going out, in, out, whatever. We're trying to corral things. So the big plan was on on Monday, Memorial Day. Memorial Day Monday, we were going to do something fun. Now... My wife had the idea that we would go to the Griffith Observatory. It is a landmark here in Los Angeles. It is old as the hills. It's the beautiful old observatory that you've probably seen in movies. It's where all the guys went on their field trip and revel rebel without a cause. It's this great big white stone observatory. And they closed it recently for, it felt like five years. And it reopened about a year or two ago, and it's all been redone on the inside. And now there's this huge science center inside, and the microscope or the telescope still, it's just apparently it's gorgeous. We saw it on TV. And since we just went on a field trip to Northrop Grumman, I went on a field trip with Hudson there to talk about space. We thought we'd go to the observatory. Great. Now you gotta you gotta plan ahead because uh, apparently there's parking issues and they don't want everybody going driving up to the observatory and parking now. You gotta, so you, you call ahead. But this is our big plan. Now listen, we don't care how crowded it's going to be because it's Memorial Day. We don't care. We want to go to the observatory. We want to see outer space stuff and see cool things. We'll, we'll go, we'll drive around the old neighborhood because that's where we used to live when Hudson was first born. 
We'll get some lunch. We'll go to the observatory. We'll come down from the observatory. We'll go get some frozen yogurt at the place where the guy used to always flirt with me. And, uh, and then we'll go home. So that's the plan. That's plan A, you see. So Melissa calls to make the parking reservations and it turns out that the observatory is not open on Mondays. Now it's not even closed because it's a holiday. It's just closed because it's Monday. Now, if we had planned ahead even slightly, we could have found out that it's closed on Monday and we could have gone on Sunday. We could have done Sunday on Monday and Monday on Sunday, which is very easy because we were not involving anyone else outside of our nuclear family. So swapping Monday and Sunday, Sunday for Monday would have been easy as pie. But we didn't because we didn't know. Plan B. Plan B is to go up to this thing called the Skirball Center. Never been there, but it's an art center. And they have performances there, comedy performances, performances for kids. They have art exhibits, blah, 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 blah. Well, they've got this exhibit now. It's all based on Noah's Ark. And what it is, it's an art installation of animals, two by two, obviously. But I guess they're all made out of found objects. It's sort of like recycled art. And the posters are up all over town. And it looks really cool. The artist style is, it's just, you can tell it's just fun and fresh. There's ecology, there's art, there's everything. It's going to be great. It's not that far away, but it's not that close. So it kind of feels like you're going somewhere, but not too far. It's just up the freeway. Great. So I get on the website because I want to, it's, it's up near the Getty. And the Getty, again, parking situation where you park here and then you take something there. I don't know what's going on at the Skirball because we've never been. Hey, guess what? They're closed on Mondays. Not because it's a holiday. Because it's Monday. Okay. That was plan B. All right. So I hit the net. I hit the net. I hit the browser. Open many browser windows. Okay. Natural History Museum. Is it open? Yes. Check. Okay. Science Center down near the Natural History Museum. Is it open? Yes, it is. Check. Okay. The Aquarium of the Pacific in Long Beach. Is it open? Yes, it is. Check. Are there any movies around that wouldn't scare the living bejesus out of the children? No. No, there's not one. The only movie playing that they would want to see is Horton Hears a Who. It's in the $3 theater, which sounds really good to me, except Hudson's already seen it and doesn't want to go to a movie. See, the, ki the kids, uh, they're not into the really super loud movies. Like, even like a Narnia movie. Fine at home, not so much in the theater. Hey, you know what? I understand. So the movie's out. Now, the Science Center... We've been there too many times, so that's out. Natural History Museum, been there too many times, it's out. We know, we'll do that in the summertime. So guess what? We got no plan B. Then I think, hey, you know what? There's that really cool, now we've never been there before, but right on the freeway south of here is this really cool miniature golf place. Now it's nice to go to this other miniature golf place that's right down the hill from us called the Putting Edge. Now the Putting Edge is indoors. It's indoor Miniature golf, like putt-putt type, whatever you call it, golf, in the dark. 
It's in the dark with fluorescent lights and loud music, but he loves it. The, both the kids love it, but we've been there a hundred million times. It's Memorial Day. We feel like we should be outside. So I realize, I, you know what? We've never been to that thing. I don't know what it's called. But it's right off the freeway. It's got the big castle. It's a real, like, real outdoor miniature golf, California-style place. Let's go over there. We'll play a round of golf. We'll do some arcade games. And then we'll go somewhere for lunch. Somewhere fun. So I hit the internet. I don't know the name of the place, but I put in, uh, you know, into Google or whatever, miniature golf. Uh, I don't know, Hawthorne? Redondo Beach, uh, okay, whatever, uh, well, I find it. Now, I don't find a website for the place, but that's not surprising. It's a miniature golf place. Do they really need a website? I don't think so. But I find several of those sites that you find where people, you know, list things like that, and then there are going to be comments or whatever, and there are all these comments like, oh my gosh, it's the greatest. The place is the greatest. It's so much fun. It's a blast. You play golf and you do this and they've got this and they've got that and you do your thing and it's, it's so much fun. Comment after comment. I can't, I'm so glad. I look at the hours. The thing is open on Mondays. I don't know what time. I don't know what time. I don't care what time. It's open on Mondays. That's all I need to know. I don't know if it's Monday through Saturday. Monday. I don't care. It's open on Mondays and you go there and apparently you have a very, very good time. So I write, I get the address, I put the address in my phone, I get the phone number, I put it in my phone, I store it in my phone and I call them and the phone just rings and rings and rings. Well, this is, you know, it's 8.30 in the morning. This is not stressing me in the least because, you know, they're going to open at 10, let's say, and everything will be hunky-dory, maybe at 11. But we're all really antsy to get the heck out of the house. So, you know, around 10, 10.30, whatever it was, I guess it was about 10.30, we drive over there. So, I, I've seen the place a bunch of times, but I'm not exactly sure how to get into it. Because it's not really on Marine, and it's not really on Redondo Beach Boulevard. It's kind of between the two, literally beside the freeway, but not even on an off-ramp, between two exits. But I'm pretty sure, especially based on the address, you know, I need to go to Marine. I need to go to Marine near the freeway. And then I bet it's that driveway that I've seen a bunch of times kind of in this field. I know it sounds freaky for L.A. to there'd be a field and, a you know, whatever. So we go over there. And we take this little shortcut through the, the parking lot of Costco because I had this fantasy that the Costco gas station would be open, which it was not. But if you if you zig and you zag and you go past Costco and past a couple of car dealerships and out through Tommy's Burger... You're right across the street from where I think the driveway is to this place called Malibu Castle Miniature Golf and, uh, you know, Arcade. But we can't turn left. We need to turn left. We can't turn left, so I turn right. But as I'm turning right and I'm kind of looking left, I, I can't see the Miniature Golf place. So I turn right and I do... Uh, a U-turn, ironically, right there at Northrop. Again, reminder that we didn't go to the observatory to look at outer space. It's okay. It's okay. Plan C is in full effect. It's in full effect. We're right here. Everybody's in a cheery mood. So I'm now driving 
driving, driving. There's a sign, you know, there's a white kind of beat up, abandoned looking sign that if I squint, it does seem to be kind of in the shape of a castle. I don't see the driveway. Where, hmm. Yeah, I didn't see the... Oh, I didn't see the driveway. Boy, I did see something, though, that... You know what? I'm not going to say anything. I'm not going to say anything until I'm confirmed on this. Uh, Maybe you have to get in on the other street. Maybe we'll go around, but I don't want to say anything because everyone's in the car, and everyone's in the car, and it's kids, and they're kids, and it's Memorial Day, and we haven't done Jack Rabbit. Okay, so we go around the big block. And I don't see an entrance on the other side. So maybe the Marine side was right. Maybe you really do get in on the address side on Marine Avenue. Oh, no. So we stop and get some gas. And I say to everyone, um, there's a chance, guys. Now, now. Don't don't freak out, but there is a chance that Malibu Castle is closed. As in closed. To which Hudson, to which Hudson says, well, you mean closed? Like, well, when are they going to be open? Like at 11? No. I mean closed. So when we drive by... Let's all look and see if we see it. But I think, I just think, I think, and I just think, I think plan C is going the way of plans A and B. So we finally get back to Marine and we're driving along and I can see up ahead that there is a sign that generally resembles a castle. And if you're looking for it, as you drive by, you can see that the words Malibu Castle were once affixed to that sign. And if you look over to the right, where you expect to see the castle of Malibu Castle, There's another sign, the freeway sign, the big tall sign that's high enough to see from the freeway. And it says, for lease, hotel slash auto, available now. Malibu Castle is up for sale. Someone is hoping to turn it into a hotel or a parking lot. It doesn't really matter. We got on the freeway. We could kind of see the corpse of Malibu Castle as we passed. Not well preserved, lying there in its casket, defaced graffitied upon. And we went to the putting edge. Indoor golf. In the dark. 
Everything is painted like it's a Spencer's Gifts. Fluorescent this, fluorescent that, fluorescent balls. Plan A, strike. Plan B, strike. Plan C, strike. But was I out? No. You know what? Plan D. Plan D. Kind of the plan nine of outer space. Plan D, big hit. You know why? No sunblock. All the thrills and excitement of miniature golf without being coated by the white latex paint my wife tries to pawn off as sunscreen. I don't know what they make the sunscreen out of that my wife insists we use. I, I think Tom Sawyer could use it to paint the fence. My children... Whenever they leave the house, they look like they're in some sort of modern-day Americanized kabuki troupe. Plan D was a big hit. Golf. Lunch. No sunblock. <sighs> Thank you, Malibu Castle. Now, my wife originally, uh, you know, she was the one that signed up to chaperone the field trip. I don't mind chaperoning the field trips. I, I just, uh, can I even talk today? Am I, have I pronounced a single word right the entire program? I, I, I you know, I can't, I can't talk. Okay. You know what I mean? It's really, has it been annoying you as much as me? No, really good. Okay. Actually, I've been speaking perfectly. Why do you Why do you even have that reaction? How dare you? Anyway, as I was saying, it was my wife's idea to chaperone this field trip. This field trip to Northrop Grumman. Grumman? Grumman. Mm. Northrop Grumman. For uh, Hudson, for his third, what, what grade is he in third grade? I can never keep track. Third grade class. For some reason, I always think Hudson's a year ahead than the, the grade he is, actually. And he's in third grade. Okay. So third grade's going to Northrop. Now, she couldn't. She volunteered, but then she couldn't make it. She had to go uh, out of town or something. So I have to go on this relatively all-school-day field trip to Northrop. Not, not, again, I got nothing against it. Other than the fact that, um, you know, it takes a lot of time. Okay, well, that's, that's fine. You know what? You know, here's why we go. We don't go and chaperone these things out of the goodness of our hearts. We do it to keep up with the Joneses. I'm going to be very honest with you. And maybe that's why everybody does everything they do. And that's why we end up in this situation where kids expect notes to be sent home to their mommy from their uh, employers, just like from the teacher. See, we're in this situation where Every once in a while, Hudson, and, uh, Hudson will look to, uh, to us and say, you know, why don't you guys spend more time at the school? 
Well, what do you mean? Well, uh, you know, uh, Nikki and Ricky and Bobby and uh, Jack and uh, Hannah and uh, Billy and Bobby and Ron, all their parents, they, they, they hang out at the school. You know, they're there in the morning, they're, they're drinking their coffee, they're chatting, they're hanging around, they walk the kids in. Or Why don't you guys do that more often? Now, the, the response to that that I'd like to give is, no, 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 that's not the question. The question is not why don't we do it more often, it's why do they do it? What the hell are they doing hanging around your school? Because Hudson, it's your school. And you shouldn't want your parents to be hanging around your school. You're not in kindergarten anymore. When you were in kindergarten, I walked you in a couple times, but then guess what? To give you a feeling of independence, we let you walk your old bony ass in there. What, I got to stand around and having a latte chit-chatting with the other parents? No, they shouldn't be doing it either. But we can't say that to him. We have to say, well, Hudson, we're just so impressed that you don't need us to hang around there like that. That you're independent enough that you don't need to be walked into school like some kind of kindergartner. We just think it's great. Read in or out of that what you may. But, you know, with any school nowadays here in America, at least here in Los Angeles, public or private parental inclusion Involvement in, uh, in every other way is a, you know, a big necessary thing. So here I am on this field trip. Again, glad to go. No problem. Love it. Would love to check out Northrop. Would love to check out Northrop with my son. Absolutely. Bring it on. He goes to school with a bunch of great kids. A lot of the parents uh, I really enjoy. Let, let's do this. So, uh, now the whole thing was very uh, normal, very normal and lovely. You know, I show up, we hang out at the classroom, we get our, uh, you know, I got a group of kids that I'm in charge of. Yeah, I got a little group, I got, I got a little responsibility here. There you go, this is your, you, you're, you're in charge of a, but, but, yeah, and, and, right, you're, these are your kids. Keep an eye on those kids and everything will be fine. Awesome. So we all pile into a school bus. Now, being an adult and being polite or whatever, I try to be the last person on the school bus. It kind of makes sense to me that I would be among the last people. Why? Because I'm an adult and I'm a male. I'm one of the few males and I'm one of the few adults. So the kids should go on before me and the women should go on before me. That's just, uh, you know, the way uh, I think. But there's plenty of room in this bus. It's a very big bus. So I go kind of towards the back. And I find an empty seat and I sit down. Now, these seats are not made for even small adults. Now, you know, I'm 5'7". I'm I may be even smaller than that now. I think I'm shrinking. So let's say I'm 5'7". These, the, these seats are honestly closer together than the seats in an American Airlines aircraft. The only way I can make it from the school to Northrop is if I am able to sit cockeyed. With my ass in the corner and my legs kind of pointed towards the aisle, right? I have to sit diagonally or I'm not going to make it. Now, then someone 
So I get seated and I'm okay and I'm cool. I'm not, I'm sitting with the, I'm near enough some kids, you know, maybe I can, uh, you know, have a little conversation with them. Maybe not. I don't really care as long as we get there and I don't have to sit with my knees and my chin, right? I'm fine. But then someone comes up and says, oh, Mr. Class, would you mind sitting here in this seat? Because this is the emergency exit and gosh forbid if someone needed to open that, we need an adult to be sitting there. Would you mind not at all. What do I care? So I get out of my seat and I move up maybe three rows to where this emergency seat is. And there's a little boy sitting there. You know, there's a boy, a boy, a kid, you know, nine-year-old boy sitting there that I know. I've known him, you know, for years now. Named uh, Jeffrey. Okay. So Jeffrey is sitting there. So I say, uh, hey, dude, I, I got to sit here. They said I got to sit here because it's an emergency thing. Now, I'm expecting Jeffrey to move. I don't Is that was that stupid of me to expect that I would move and then he would move? He did not want to move. Jeffrey had found his seat. That was his seat. That's where he was sitting, right there. So I say, you know, they they don't care if you uh, want to go to another. You know, it's not gonna. It's okay if you want to go. No, 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 no. He was not moving. That was his seat. Now I think it was because it was right across the hall, uh, the aisleway from three girls that he's friends with. Three girls that he's friends with, they're very good friends, and they kind of cram themselves into one seat. And Jeffrey was going to sit across from them. Now, I didn't sit with Hudson because he's sitting with one of his friends, because apparently I've done a good enough job not hanging around the damn school that he would rather sit on the trip with his friend than his father. Hallelujah, freaking Luyah. Again, I love my son. I, I'm very nervous about the fact that in, you know, 9, 10, 20 years, he's going to move out of the house. But I don't need him sitting with me on the field trip. I need him being, right? And maybe it was because when I was about uh, 16 or 18, I think it was somewhere in there, my grandfather came to visit us. My grandpap, my grandpap Ducky. My grandpap Ducky came to visit us in Rochester because I think he was getting a gold watch or something like that from the company. He had worked for Kodak for many, many, many years and they were giving him a thing, you know, a retirement thing in Rochester. from K So he came from California to Rochester and he stayed with us. And, uh, you know, I was uh, 16 or 18 or whatever and I was nowhere to be seen. I had this, I had that, I had plays and girls and friends and the, you know, I was not at home. I saw him, but, you know, like, hey, grandpap. Congratulations. And it wasn't until many years later that uh, he and I were talking and it came up that I was never around. I think my mother was trying to shame me or something. I forget what it was, but the subject came up that when Grandpa Ducky came out to visit, I was never around. It's like, ah, oh, Grandpa, I'm so sorry. I should have, you know, you know. And he's like, Danny. If you hadn't had more important things to do than hanging around with your damn grandpap, at that age, I wouldn't have wanted to know you. 
Now, that was Ducky. And he wasn't bullcrapping me. That was Ducky. If you're 16 years old or 18 years old and you got nothing better to do than to sit at the feet of your grandpappy here in American culture, then you're, you're obviously not teenaging well. So I'm actually feeling good that Hudson's uh, several rows up with his buddy. But apparently Jeffrey is not going to move. So I apparently now I'm going to sit all the way from school to Northrop with my knees up under my chin. And my sack lunch in my lap because I got no, I got, I am, okay. Also, Jeffrey has a strange sense of proportion, sharing, sitting on your own damn side of the seat. Because we're even buckled in, we're in seat belts. You know, they have seatbelts in school buses now. So he's in a seatbelt, but is not sitting on his side. He's sitting in the middle. So I'm cramped this way and I'm cramped that way. I'm cramped forward and backwards and side to side because Jeffrey can't sit on his side. Luckily for me, Jeffrey feels no obligation whatsoever to speak. He barely speaks to me at all. He speaks every once in a while to the girls sitting in front of us. He borrows a little toy from them. One of those water things, you know, there's water in a plastic case with a see-through thing on the outside and you push little buttons and it pumps the water around and makes a little loop, little balls or little hoops go around in the water and you try to get the little hoops on a spike. So luckily, Jeffrey's leaving me the heck alone, and he's just doing this thing where you're supposed to get these little hoops on a little spike. And he keeps doing it and doing it, but he's not getting the hoops on a spike. He's, he's somehow able to get the hoops to get stuck on the inside of the plug that keeps the water in the toy. And he keeps going, look, I got it on the thing. And I, and I know you, that's the plug, Jeffrey. Get it on the spikes. But I can't, the girls, no one can explain to him, can convince him that that's not how you play the game. Okay, you know what? This is going to be over any second. I swear, this is going to be over. We're going to pull into Northrop, please, because I have no room to sit here. And I don't want this kid, this kid is just like crammed up against me. And I got, I need, I need to get out of this school bus. I need to get, I need to walk around the parking lot or see the, what, what, are we done? So finally we pull in. We pull into the driveway of Northrop. And to my glee, Jeffrey announces he was bored the entire trip and will be sitting with his friends on the way home. I have never in my life been so glad to be boring. Ever. Because at least on the way home, I'm going to have the safety emergency seat to myself and I can slide my legs over. Great. So we go into Northrop and they split the big group into a couple little groups and we're each. Uh, no, no, no. Before they even split us up, they take us all in to see a movie and the kids get to ask, you know, the kind of cute 20 something PR girls some questions. And these are sharp kids, so it takes about 10 seconds to get to the question, do you guys make weapons? 
Now, I'm going to assume, given the amount of hemming and hawing that came from the 20-something PR girls, that Northrop does in fact make weapons. That it's fairly common knowledge that some branch, some division, some team in Northrop is making something that you could very easily construe as a weapon. The fascinating thing about it is that the girl that's been asked the question doesn't have the buzzword that they use instead of the word weapon at her disposal. So she gets the question and 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 she's looking back to the other girls going and the other girls going uh yeah you know they they okay I I forget the spin. I forget how we're supposed to spin this. Yes, we make weapons. You got it? Okay, you got me. You got me. I forgot what I'm supposed to say. Yes, not we don't make them here, but somewhere one of the Northrop's. Yes, I we make weapons. Okay, you happy? And the kids were very happy because they just want to hear about Star Wars stuff and flying around and shooting things. That's why they're here. Don't talk about benign satellites. Talk about shooting missiles and then shooting down missiles. That's what they're here for. But we had a great visit. Really great. Great exhibition. We got it here. We went there. I had a nice chat with their computer teacher about these $5,000 electronic chalkboards that they now use. They don't use chalkboards. God forbid in the 21st century you use a chalkboard with an eraser. No, apparently now. Okay, you know those little drawing tablets that you have? Maybe you have one of those. I don't have one. But, you know, those little uh, with a stylus. Okay. You know, they're about, let's say, $100, $200. You get this thing and it's probably, you know, uh, six inches square, give or take, with a little stylus. And you can draw onto your computer or you can use it as an input device. Imagine one of those that's five feet by five feet. That's the projector. Or, excuse me, that's the chalkboard. The chalkboard is one of those with a projector. And somehow, you hook this to your computer. It's called a smart board, maybe. I don't know. Do your kids have this? The projector projects the image from the computer onto the board, onto this thing, this input device. And then the teacher uses these special stylus-type colored markers and can draw on it. But it's an input device, so they don't really draw on it. They're drawing on the computer that is projecting the image. You see how the like the cycle of this? So you input in the input device, but it goes into the computer, then back out through the screen. Okay, seriously? You could just be using a chalkboard, right? In an eraser? Yeah, we could, but then we wouldn't be able to make these cool flash animations move. Look, kids! Look! Learning is fun! Because everything can move! It sounds it sounds fascinating and absolutely uh, unnecessary, but you know what? It's okay because we're gonna bring up a generation of kids that look at the millennials and go, "Wow, those guys are so uptight." We want to work in a workplace where you can just lie on the floor in the fetal position with your thumb in your mouth and get paid three hundred and fifty thousand dollars a year. That's what we want. And so here's where it gets freaky, though. And this is the point of the whole conversation. The whole conversation is leading to the trip back to school. Now, listen, I'm only telling you this because I know that this is the, you know, more private club. This is not for public consumption. This is a private conversation between me and you. 
And I need you to respect that this is a private conversation between you because I don't want to get anybody in trouble and I don't want to go to jail. But here's the story. We get to go, we go to get, go to get back on the bus. And Mr. Class has to sit in the emergency seat, right? That is one of the roles that I've been given. I've been given a list of kids to keep control of. And guess what? They all made it there and they're now back on the bus. Everything's cool. I have not lost a child. Now, the second thing is I need to sit in the seat where just in case the bus, uh, you know, rolls, I can be the cool guy to kick open the emergency door. And I'm very happy to do it. I'm very excited. I hope we do roll. I'd love to do it. But apparently Jeffrey has decided that he still needs to sit across the aisle from those girls. And those girls seem to have ended up in exactly the same seat. So he is sitting in exactly the same seat. Exactly where he was sitting in the middle of the exact same seat. Exactly crowding exactly me. Exactly, exactly. So here we go. So Jeffrey's sitting in the center. We're buckled in. My knees, right? At least I don't have lunches now in my bag. That's the one upside is we've eaten our lunch. And we begin the long trek back to school. Except this time, Jeffrey is not ignoring me. He wants to talk. Now, it's not a big deal, except I can barely hear him. His voice is not very loud, and the school bus is very loud. The bus is loud, the windows are loud, the other children are loud, the parents are talking, they are loud, everything is loud except for Jeffrey. So I cannot really hear him. So every time he says something, I have to bend my neck down to his ear and hope that I can fill in the words that I can't hear just through some sort of logical digression. And I honestly don't know what we talked about. He ended up playing that game some more, and I ended up not giving, completely giving up on it, convincing him that he wasn't actually playing the game, that he was just getting the hoop stuck on the plug. But at a certain point, I start to realize that Jeffrey is no longer crowding me. He's leaning against me. Now, this... Okay, <laughs> listen, what I'm going to tell you, I mean, I, I'm assuming that everything that happens from now to the end is completely innocent, but I have to preface what I'm about to say by saying this, my son, my son, the boy that I raised as a stay-at-home dad all his life, all through his babiness, toddlerness, all that we used to cuddle and kiss and hug uncontrollably I didn't care I didn't care who saw it I didn't care what predictions they made about his uh, masculinity in the future my masculinity in the present I didn't care I don't care I hugged and cuddled that kid as long as he would stand it but you know what he's now nine and we don't cuddle anymore he's a young man now right we sometimes sit together 
you know, maybe I'll have my arm around. I mean, we're not unaffectionate, unaffectionate, but you know what I mean. There's a certain level of physical intimacy that is no longer happening with my son and I as a normal part of his growing. Okay. Okay. Jeffrey is cuddling with me. Jeffrey is cuddling up to me and we are in a bus. We are in a bus surrounded by children and teachers and he is cuddling up to me. He's no longer just leaning on me. He is cuddling up to me. He's grinding the back of his head into my chest. What in the hell is happening? And I keep like, there's this little like sloughing maneuver that I'm trying to make. I wish you could see because it's, you kind of start at the base of your spine and you kind of, you like try to move your spine like a whip. You're whoop, and you're like, I'm trying to throw him off of my chest. I'm like, hey, scooch over a little bit, dude. I need some room from you. And he's like, okay. And he does, and then right back down and we're cuddling again. So I go, and I kind of slough him off, and I put my arm in there. Because I think, well, my arm has been on the back of the seat, you know, to get a little extra room for me. And then he's going, right, and he's right in my chest. So I'm like, so I slough and slam the arm down. So now there's at least an arm, but he's not, now he's just cuddling with my arm. Now he's just cuddling. He's like grinding his head into my shoulder. My God, I am cuddling with someone else's son. Now, I'm going to admit to you, if this boy were, and this is the part I'm going to go to hell for. Listen, if this boy were more masculine, more macho, if he were larger or looked different, I maybe wouldn't have had this level of anxiety. But Jeffrey is a petite little flower. And I am very uncomfortable with this petite little flower cuddling with me because I'm not this petite little flower's dad or mom. I am neither. But the way he behaves, I start to feel like I am on a date. I feel like I am on a date with someone who is way more into me than I am into them. Now, listen, I don't know. I don't know if Jeffrey is starved for attention, if he's starved for fatherly attention, like he needs a father figure. I've seen the father. The father's a big hulking dude. Big hulking guy. He's not a petite little flower. And they're and his mom, petite little flower. Dad, big hulking guy. I don't know. I don't know if maybe this is just normal. Maybe he spends no time with the father and this is how he deals with the mother. Maybe he spends no time with the father and this is how he deals with the father. I don't know. I just feel like, uh, holy gosh, I, I, I'm going to get arrested any second now for sitting in a seat on a school bus with Jeffrey. Because he's still kind of nug, nus, nug, uh, what's muzzling, nuzzling? What's the word I'm even looking for? I'm so distraught. I can't even think of, I can't describe it to you. What is happening? But he's like looking up at me with these little petite flower eyes and like, <laughs> and he's asking me weird questions now. Like, did you want a boy or a girl? What? What? 
when you were starting to have babies, did you want a boy or a girl? Well, I wanted a boy. I wanted a boy and a girl. I got one of each, so I'm fine. I'm fine, and I'm fine. Well, I could come and live with you. No, no, you can't, Jeffrey. No, you can't. You can't come and live with me. And you got it. Can you sit up? Can you sit up? Hey, can you sit up? How how offhanded can I make this sound? Can you? Hey, dude. Hey, hey. Could you? You need to. Could you just sit up? Could you just? Could you do that and stop? Why are you grabbing my wedding? Why are you doing? Why are you, why are you grabbing my hand? Why are you why are you trying to get off my wedding ring? Why are you now trying to hold my hand? Can you leave my wedding ring alone? Can you do that? Can you leave me alone? Can you watch where your hands are? I know that you're innocent and I know you're nine years old. But you cannot lean your body weight on my leg with your hand. You gotta keep your hands away from me. I am not your father or your mother. And I'm sure as shit, not your boyfriend. I don't know what's happening, but it needs to stop happening and it needs to stop happening soon. I try to, in a lighthearted way, peel Jeffrey from me when we finally landed in the school parking lot. I was really uncomfortable and really embarrassed and really unnerved. But mostly I was scared. I was scared for Jeffrey. Because I am a very well-meaning dad on a school bus full of kids and teachers and parents. And Jeffrey has no boundaries. I got off the school bus. Jeffrey still has no boundaries. I fear, I fear for what's going to happen when it's not me there. Out in the world, I really fear for Jeffrey. That's, uh, you know, thank you for uh, downloading. Thank you for sticking with me and listening to all that malarkey. Hey, you know, um, okay. To answer a couple of questions, uh, the affiliate program is officially in beta and is open for your, uh, you know, whatever, perusal. I have not, you know, no one has gone through the process yet, consciously. So, um, 
you know, if you do sign up, let me know how it goes. Let me know if my explanation on the bitterspill.com makes any sense at all. But just go to the bitter spill and there's a little list of things. You'll see a little thing that says affiliate program beta. I'll put it in the show notes for the show too. But um, yeah, you know, I, I mean, I think it's going to work out pretty well. It's, um, you know, for anyone that signs up from your site, you get a cut. And I believe you get a cut from, uh, you know, what they uh, put in the pool uh, every month. So it, it's a good deal. It's a good deal and it really helped the show for, uh, uh, you know, whatever. Okay, so other exciting news. Remember I told you about J.C. Hutchins thing? I told you about that, right? That uh, The uh, Seventh Son Obsidian launches officially May 31st. I don't know how he's dishing out the uh, the goods, but uh, definitely go to jchutchins.net for all the information about Obsidian. Seventh Son Obsidian! It includes the work of, uh, you know, Scott Sigler, Mer Lafferty, uh, T. Morris, Evo Terra, Wichita, Rutherford, uh, Yours Truly, Radio Adventures of Dr. Floyd, Soccer Girl, I'm trying to think, um, uh, you know, it's on the website of, at thebitterspill.com also with links. And it's finally been, uh, you know, officially announced that Coverville 500 concert. Yeah, it, uh, to mark the 500th episode of Coverville, the, uh, you know, amazingly, I'm sure, award-winning podcast. Brian Ibbett is putting together the Coverville 500 concert. Get this lineup. Ready? Richard Cheese. Yeah, I know. It's true. Richard Cheese, Chance, Jonathan Colton, Natalie Gelman, The Radio Adventures of Dr. Floyd, all hosted by yours truly, Dan Class. Uh, that is part of the New Media Expo this year in Las Vegas, Nevada. It's August 15th at the Empire Ballroom. Tickets go on sale June 1st. That's coming up quickly, my children. Yeah, it's an awesome lineup. So yeah, Radio Adventures of Dr. Floyd, Natalie Gelman, Jonathan Colton, Richard Cheese, Chance, uh, all a part of the Coverville 500 concert. Go to Coverville500.com for more info. Uh, I cannot decide whether I should dress as Elvis to host or uh, one of the guys from the Blue Man Group. If you have a, an Elvis costume that's a 40 short or a, a bunch of blue makeup, please let me know. All right, that's it. I don't think there's anything else uh, that really needs to be said. Check out the affiliate program. Thank you for listening. Thank you for all your uh, notes and comments. I really do appreciate the uh, little letters you sent me. You know that, don't you? I really do. Uh, that's it. Okay, rock on. Uh, I'll talk to you later this week. Bye. The Bitterest Pill is produced by Jacket Media. JacketMedia.com, makers of fine podcasts since 2004.